What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are, and it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Welcome to the Morning Motivation brought to you by the Patriot Gold Group and the Public Square app. A little late on this Friday morning. I'm in Sedona, Arizona right now. I was in a, I've been in a men's Bible group for about 12 years when I was in San Diego. Every Wednesday we met up. And for the last, I don't know, like, Six or eight years or so, we've done a retreat, and I've since moved out away from San Diego, as of many of the guys. But the group goes on, and our retreats go on as well. So we're here in Sedona, and right now I am looking at Cathedral Rock outside of my friend's parents' house, and it's just stunningly, majestically, unbelievably beautiful in every way. So I uh, got a late start this morning with the boys, and then we're going to go for a nice hike and spend some time up on the mountain praying and reading and all that. So it's going to be great. But I want to take some time here and finish up the culmination of our week in regards to the He Gets Us Super Bowl commercial. Tammy wrote me a nice note asking, who funded this thing? <laughs> it's 14 million bucks to put it on this on the Super Bowls. Who paid for this? Uh, Mart Green, <laughs> a Hobby Lobby paid for it. Mart Green is the son of the founder of Hobby Lobby. He's still an executive at Hobby Lobby. He's on the board of a group called Come Near, which is the nonprofit behind this ad. So Hobby Lobby paid for I'm sure a bunch of other big donors as well, but Hobby Lobby is one of the big ones. The CEO of Come Near, his name's Ken Caldwell. His LinkedIn profile, he is sure to include his he, him pronouns. So I don't know, maybe that's all you need to know about him and this group, which by the way, this group is made up of non-Christians as well who, who are behind this ad. So like, what are we doing? But uh, let's get to the feet washing today. And then I want to talk about a counter advertisement that a pastor made that's way better than the one that played on the Super Bowl. Good for him for doing that. Because this one, if, if this new ad, if this actually played on the Super Bowl, it would lead to the saving of souls. I doubt that he gets us. Well, not unless a guy can do anything with, with anything, right? But uh, one of them is, is much better. Uh, so but what is the deal with feet washing? Let's talk about that today. First of all, it's very interesting that anyone could read the Bible 
and walk away with any sort of conclusion that is Jesus washes feet or Jesus, Jesus washed feet. There's one scene where Jesus washed feet one time at a very specific time for a very specific reason for very specific people. If you were someone who has never read the Bible, you have no interaction with the Bible, you don't know anything about Jesus, you would walk away from that Super Bowl commercial and you'd think, oh, like this Jesus guy, he went around washing people's feet. It's like a feet washer. That's, that was his big thing. He washed feet all the time. Like, no, not at all, actually. So it was to his disciples. John 13, 4, 7. Jesus got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he silently, without saying a word, got up from dinner, dressed down to what a slave would be wearing, and washed these men's feet one by one. Let me quote John MacArthur. Can you imagine how that must have stung the disciples' hearts? What shame and regret and sorrow must have shot through them. You think, well, what do you mean, why? Well, they should have been the ones washing Jesus's feet. Remember in Luke 7, there was the sinful woman who brought an entire jar of perfume. I've heard before that's like a, a year's worth of, of money in, uh, to this perfume. And, and she stood behind Jesus at his feet crying and she began to wash his feet with her tears and she dried them with her hair, kissing them many times, rubbing them with perfume. And what were the disciples doing? They were arguing over which one of them is the best. They were spending this time arguing which one of them is the greatest. And Jesus gets up and washes their feet. As they're arguing, he gets up and washes their feet. What a painful lesson that was for the disciples. Now, the, one of the problems with the Super Bowl ad is the people in the pictures, as their feet are getting washed, it's just a picture, but there's no sign of them feeling ashamed or humbled for their sin because there's no concept of sin in in this ad as well and if there's no concept of sin then there's no concept of repentance or redemption or true love right but especially the last guy that the trans gay guy getting his feet washed by looks like a priest or something it comes across as very uh, the guy's like yes i am marginalized i deserve to have my feet washed thank you very much and that's not it at all the lowest servant in the house would be the one who would wash the feet of guests. Now, the table apparently that they were sitting at is, it's called a triclinium. It's about the height of a coffee table. So it's very low to the ground, U-shaped. Uh, so everyone was pretty close to each other, sitting on the ground, and they were pretty close to their feet <laughs> and each other's dirty, smelly feet as well. This is a commentary I read. None of the disciples were interested in washing each other's feet. Any of them would have gladly washed Jesus's feet, but they could not wash his without having to be available to wash the other's feet. And that would have been an intolerable admission of inferiority among their fellow competitors for the top positions in the disciples' hierarchy. So no one's feet got washed. Remember, they were arguing over which one's the greatest. And if they're arguing over which one's the greatest, they're not going to, you know, in their pride, they're not going to then start washing feet. But Jesus did. MacArthur said, John MacArthur said, sadly, the church is full of people who are standing on their dignity or sense of self-importance when they ought to be kneeling at the feet of their brothers and sisters. The desire for prominence is incompatible with love, death, and humility 
and hostile to genuine ministry. One who is proud and self-centered has no capacity for love, humility, or service. Mm. And the era we're living in certainly is an era of pride. Wash my feet. That sure wasn't Jesus. Jesus went from heaven to earth. That's humility. And then while on earth, he could have been the king and all the rest, but instead he, he kneeled on the ground and washed the feet of sinful men. That's not just humility. That's abasement. Let that sink in. Our Lord, the Son of God, didn't show his majesty or triumph or flash his power. He washed the feet of his disciples, the disciples who were too prideful to wash the feet of Jesus. Now let's talk about some of the lines that may be unclear in this John 13 section. So Peter says, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. Very interesting. What does that mean? So in order to receive fellowship with Jesus, you need to be cleansed by him. One commentary said, we are grateful Jesus did not say, uh, if, if you do not have great holiness, you have no part of me. We're very happy he did not say, if you're not a Bible expert, you have no part with me. No, no, no. Having a part with Jesus simply begins with receiving something from him, not achieving something ourselves. That's true with being saved. None of it was up to you. We need to let Jesus wash our feet and let that, let that pierce our hearts of how amazing our Lord is. So then Peter says, Lord, uh, fine, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. He's like, just wash everything. So now Peter's telling Jesus what to do, <laughs> again, in his pride. How about this line? Uh, Jesus says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. What does that mean? He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. Charles Spurgeon says, the priest of God, when consecrated first, was washed from head to foot. And so baptized into the service of the sanctuary. But each time he went to offer sacrifice, he washed his hands and feet. So the idea is you, you already got your whole body washed when you got baptized. That's the initial bathing. That's the saving. And then after that is the ongoing washing merely of your feet. Just like the cross is done once and for all, so is the baptizing. You don't have to get baptized every day. But there's an ongoing sanctification after that for the rest of your life. That's what Jesus means. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet from this point forward. All right, so now we get to the part where the he gets us Super Bowl focused on. So when he washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, Jesus said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Spurgeon said, if there be any deed of kindness or love that we can do for the very meanest and most obscure of God's people, we ought to be willing to do it, to be servants to God's servants. That's Spurgeon. Now, this leads to a question about, does that service, are we talking about only other Christians? or non-Christians as well? That's an interesting question. But let's focus on this line. Wash one another's feet. That's what Jesus says. You need to wash one another's feet. He doesn't say wash my feet. He says wash one another's. Now, our goal then when uh, it comes to feet washing needs to be twofold. First, not judge. And two, actually help. On the not judge, Spurgeon says, it's easy for us to criticize those with dirty feet instead of washing them. 
In the world, they criticize. Hear how gossips say, ooh, do you see that spot? What a terrible walk that man must have had this morning. Look at his feet. His feet are so dirty. That's the world's way. Christ's way is very different. He says nothing, but takes the basin and begins to wash away the stain. Do not judge and condemn, but seek the restoration and improvement of the erring. It's great. So don't judge and think you're better than anyone else because they have dirty feet. You got pretty dirty feet yourself. But then the second key is to actually help. So what, how does washing feet, what does that mean? Like, uh, so my feet are clean now. Okay, no, no, what are we talking about with washing? Washing of water by the word. That's Ephesians 4, 20, or 5.26. The washing of water by the word. Washing of feet is about ministering with the word. You help people with the word, with the gospel. Washing feet, that's just not enough. It, it's, it's humble, loving service, yes, but real love comes from the truth, the gospel, and that is you are sinning, you're headed to hell, love and follow Jesus. Instead, become a slave to Jesus and you can be saved, born again, go to heaven. That is the washing of water by the word and by the gospel. So final point, should we still literally be washing each other's feet? Because again, the people that he, uh, he gets us, they seem to think that that's like the thing. Like we need to wash just feet. Jesus said in verse 15, he says, I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. So the word as there is the Greek word kathos with a K. It means uh, according as. So it's do in like manner as I've, I, as I've done. The idea is that you should act similarly, but not exactly. So there are other Greek words that mean do this thing precisely. So this was not a command for Jesus to, or Jesus gave us to do this. He didn't say wash the feet of everyone who walks in your house. That wasn't the command. It was the act of humble service. John Calvin, he was talking about a, a group of people who, who do this. He says, every year they hold a theatrical feet washing. And when they've discharged this empty and bare ceremony, they think they have done their duty finally and are now free to despise their brethren. But more, when they have washed 12 men's feet, they cruelly torture all of Christ's members and thus spit in the face of Christ himself. This ceremonial comedy is nothing but a shameful mockery of Christ. At any rate, Christ does not enjoin an annual ceremony here, but tells us to be ready all through our life to wash the feet of our brethren. Makes sense. It's not the act itself. I heard some other commentaries from people I trust and they said, I mean, you can, I guess, whatever, but that's not it. Don't go like washing someone's foot once a year and then think like I did it. <laughs> that's not it. It's a heart of service forever. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. 
So that's our review of the Super Bowl commercial. Now, the good news is it took about a week, and I'm grateful for them. Someone took the time to make an alternative commercial in the very same style, same music, same font, and the whole thing. And it's obviously so much better. Sometimes you don't know how, actually, almost all the time, you don't know how insufficient something is unless until you see the, a better version. So in this commercial, it starts off and it has a, a pictures of different people. In this one, it says former witch. Richard Dawkins, former right-hand man, former jihadist, and has a picture of before and after, former KKK member, former drug addict, former gang leader, former drag queen and prostitute, former abortionist, former transgender, former porn star, former New Age guru, former lesbian activist. Jesus doesn't just get us, the ad says. He saves us. Oh, it's so good. The, the original ad was, he gets us. And this ad, this, this counter ad is, no, no, he doesn't just get us. He saves us, right? But saving implies sin. Ah, I can't talk about that. It's he saves us. And then it, it, it keeps going uh, it like rapid fires from he saves us to he transforms us. He cleanses us. He restores us. He forgives us. He heals us. He delivers us. He redeems us. He loves us. And then it says some were or such were some of you. Such were. Oh, so good. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 6.11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like what a better message that is. So listen, be very wary of these false gospel messages. Very, very dangerous because it looks, it looks right. It kind of feels, you know, it's close, right? It's be like, oh no, it's, it's, it's reaching the world or something. No, 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 no. Get behind me, Satan. Watch out for this stuff. Let's speak boldly against it, and let's find the truth instead. All right, I'm going off to my hike with the boys. Mike Slater.locals.com. Commercial-free night before transcript. MikeSlater.locals.com.